I am Rylan Grant, screenwriter, Ringo award-winning creator of fine comics, like Aberrant, Van Jackson, now Fashing Origins, the other voice in the dark, the man in the box to the left is... Uh, David Avalone, comic book writer, television writer, coffee achiever. Yeah, and if you missed any of our previous conversations, episodes featuring comic luminaries like David F. Walker, Matt Fraction, Stan Sakai, Kevin Eastman, Rodney Barnes, and many, many more, our entire catalog can be celebrated via YouTube, iTunes, and other purveyors of worthwhile ear cracks. So double on back and check it all out. Uh man, this has been it's been a while since we've been in the studio, huh? We have we have been busy boys. Um I, the holidays not... and some some actual, you know, paying work. Yeah, paying work. What have you been up to? Uh, uh, a lot, end of last year, I was writing, uh, for the Batwheels television program, Love it. a Batman show for very, very small children, a Batman show where Batman cannot punch anyone in the face. So that's an, that is a fascinating challenge. Um, and I've been working on a long 120 page graphic novel project, which is still not announced and, uh, writing the next Elvira series, which is Elvira and in Monsterland. The sequel to Elvira in Horrorland. Um, it's not, you know, you you work in a almost complete vacuum. Comicron has kind of fallen apart as a reporting agency on comic sales, yeah. so you just have no f- clue whatsoever. And one of the nice things at WonderCon is a couple of retailers came up to me and went, "Oh my God, uh, Horrorland was the best-selling Elvira title ever, and we're really excited about the new one." I'm like. No one has shared that information with me. Uh, Dynamite does not tell me how the comics are selling. So that's uh, that's good news. But yeah, that comes out in May, well, May 17th, that, I think. Is that it? Yeah. Um, that's a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, so I have um, I have two movies coming out later this year. Um, you know, uh, uh, one on a streamer. That announcement will come soon. Uh, another another film shooting in Germany later this year also. Um I mean the, the the listeners, the viewers know that I uh, I sold a TV show to Lionsgate, but we're doing all the network conversations. So I have been pitching up a storm. We pitched, um, uh, you know, sit down with uh, Netflix and um, and Amazon and Showtime uh, last week. We have um, you know Hulu and HBO and Peacock and uh, all those coming up and you know this week and next. And um, you know then we'll figure out where this thing's going to air and we'll get shooting, but um yeah a lot of stuff the other thing uh the jump which you are all familiar with my astral projection thriller uh is live right now on kickstarter for about another week so get the hell over there and uh and back it and get your issue um we have a wonderful campaign going on right now uh but we're here to talk kickstarter today i was gonna say funny you should mention kickstarter yeah we brought on two people that are much more knowledgeable on the topic than i am so they're going to come give us a little lesson so why don't we bring them on and here they are uh mr pat shant and ms madeline holly rising howdy howdy uh good afternoon everybody thanks for joining us uh madeline tell us a little bit about yourself well, I am the writer-creator of the Steampunk Supernatural series, Boston Metaphysical Society. And uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's about an ex-Pinkerton detective, a spirit photographer, and a genius scientist who battles supernatural forces in late 1800s Boston. We currently have, we're in our last three days of our Kickstarter to print the first two issues of our four-issue series, Mystery at Pikes Peak. So like, this is going to air Wednesday the air quote unquote 29th so when they see this they'll have 48 hours roughly they'll have 48 hours yes they'll have 48 yes. hours when they see this Correct. get on over there it's a great it's a great book a great series i'm a huge fan have been for a long time so go get and it pat what have, tell what have you got going on i'm pat shand writer of comics other stuff as well um i'm on kickstarter now to do uh steamy steamy is the third book in my adult line of comics and uh, by the time that this airs, I'm going to have uh, my announcement out that we're doing a full imprint for adult-themed comics called Cheeky Comics through my company, Space Between. Uh, so that's going to be coming out through this year. 
And uh, my current goal is to have at least one Kickstarter campaign every month this year. Wow. That is a bit my my friend Simon uh, Burke in Scotland. I don't know if you know Simon and uh, his lovely yeah. wife. And they 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 have a sim. They do that business model. Blue Fox Comics. They do seemingly a, a Kickstarter every month, and they do very well. Yeah, you know, it is it is one way to go. Yeah, and I should say that. So you know, we we brought Madeline and Pat on, and uh, they make very high quality comic books, and they're on you know Kickstarter a lot. And so um, certainly get over there and get this book, get the book we're talking about now. Um, but if you're listening to this a month down the road, uh, chances are, you know, Pat and, and Madeline either have something going or have something in the chamber. So, uh, you know, follow them on Twitter. Um, and, and, you know, they're good for Kickstarter knowledge also. I mean, we have a lot of creators out there who tune into the show to, to you know, to, to hear the shop talk. Um, and they are, uh, pretty constantly spitting, uh, uh, you know, very valuable knowledge and insight, uh, um, in terms of, you know, what's going on in Kickstarter, what's going on in the business, uh, how you can run a very successful, uh, campaign, how you can, you know, create fans and draw in backers and all of that stuff. Um, and so we thought we would bring them on today, uh, you know, give us a little masterclass and, and. And, you know, the, the market changes so much um, in a short period of time. I mean, I, I took two years off, completely different, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, go this time. Uh, but, you know, Pat, even if you're back every month, it's going to be very different every month, right? And so uh, so I like the idea of hearing what's going on now, what are the pitfalls, <laughs> what are the crazy, what's the craziness right now? And so, I, you know, I think that's what we were, uh, were, were looking to get into. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I was curious before we before we get into it. Uh, you know, it's funny, Rylan, when you said someone might be, you know, turning tuning in a month from now, two months from now, a year from now, to listen to this or watch this. Do either of you migrate to something like Backerkit or a website or whatever for to continue sales after the campaign? Madeline, do you do anything like that? Um, yeah, I have been using Backerkit, mm -hmm. uh, which has worked out very well uh kickstarter now has their own version of what is it pledge manager i'm not sure that's someone i have to go look Sounds again right. which uh you know i'm gonna seriously look into because it's going to save me a lot of money mm. and so, i had so part I of had, the pitch for pledge manager is that it's a it's less of a less of a cut than backer kit yes yeah do, do, do uh, they do, do they charge extra or is it just part of the normal Kickstarter? Well, I think we well, can't say that yet. The, the, that's not supposed to be like that. I think is not publicly announced yet as far as what they're doing as you know the financial deals there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I know there, there are some people I know. I I, I should probably not divulge their names because I don't know if it's yeah. top secret stuff. But I know it's in the beta phase now, and there are people who are going to be testing it out you know, now yeah. or very soon, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ty Tyler James is, is one of the betas and he's publicly <laughs> announced that. Okay. Um, and I've shot them a few questions like, you know, are you going to have a pre-order store? Uh, I have big digital, you know, rewards and trades. Are you going to be able to handle this? Yeah. And all the answers so far have been yes. Okay. So That's we'll see. Good. I'm going to dig deeper into it as we, you know, when I get closer to doing that, cause I, I don't send out surveys until we're, you know, a few weeks out from shipping. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're not shipping till July, August. So I, I don't have to decide right now. Right. And Pat, what's, what is your plan afterwards? Where, if someone's listening to this in three months, where they, where can they find the books? Well, I, uh, right now I do go to Etsy. I, I have mm -hmm. an Etsy store that's active and I do, um, every time I go to a convention, I have a new uh, Destiny New York trading card game card that I put out as a con exclusive. And I use that as a way to sort of, you know, send a boost or put a new item from a previous campaign out. <laughs> yeah, no, I love the guest star. For those yeah, listening yeah. on uh, on on audio only, you're missing a uh, very adorable cat cameos. Yeah, she's great. Uh, um, yeah, actually, she only she only comes up here not when I'm alone, only when yeah. I'm talking, and there's no one here. You know, she just thinks I'm going crazy. Um, yeah. But yeah, so. I do Etsy right now, and the trading card, the uh, con promos really uh, act as a sort of sales boost every time. 
Um, <laughs> nice. uh, but um, what my philosophy is, though, there's, is that I kickstart so much that I have a store of my add-ons from previous campaigns constantly yeah. available. So That's I'm great. usually off from campaigns about like maybe two or three weeks at a time. Um, and I'm going to be doing an imprint uh, through, through my company as well that it's going to be run by someone else so that's going to be active as well so there's always going to be a chance for anyone who missed stuff to currently get it on kickstarter or off platform on etsy that's in, you know it's fascinating we've done a million of these well okay 84 and uh we talk about kickstarter a lot and i have yet that is the first time i've heard etsy as as a as a destination you know i you know it makes perfect sense it's logical it you know it's just it's it in my limited experience it's not like i've seen it be very big with cartoonists right you know with you know with people selling art prints and you know books of cartoons and things like that uh but i have not i have not seen it with uh with comic books so that's that's an interesting uh it's an interesting bent yeah, you know, my goal with the Etsy is to sort of think outside of the box of I'm a comics writer, comics publisher. You know, I um my biggest item on there was this pin that we did that would that it was a coffee pin uh, that said regular is not a size, and baristas found that and they put it on their visor. You know, that's uh, great. Yeah, so my 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 goal is that when I do merch, I wanted to sort of uh, you know. I used to do series specific merch, but that's a, a pin for gangster ass barista, you know? Mm, right. I did a pin for cheeky that is, you know, a butt and it says certified cheeked up. So you don't have to know the story sure. to feel like you are certified cheeked up, right? Right. <laughs> now there's yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, not to not to not to be reductive, but like in the world of the internet, cats, coffee, and butts, like you know, those are sort of universal adapters for like anyone. You don't need to sell anybody a comic book if you're selling them cats. When I did my my first comics Kickstarter, the comic inside the comic is about three cats. Yeah. And I heard through the grapevine internally with Twitter or internally with Kickstarter, someone got back to me and said, oh, yeah, the president of Kickstarter saw this and went, oh, cats, they're going to make a zillion dollars. <laughs> you know, like cart- cartoon cartoon cats. That's the, you know, and I have to admit, that was not the main artistic decision made. But when we were deciding what animal the cats would be, we didn't want to go with the original idea that Kevin had come up with, which was reptiles, because he was like, you know, the more I think of it, them being green might, piss off nickelodeon just a teeny tiny oh bit yeah. so what what animal can we choose that's not green and he was like well yeah. come on man i mean we both have cats it wasn't a you know wasn't wasn't wow. the, trick, the trickiest uh decision to make <laughs> well they were quite ninja like as uh, as pat's cat is uh, yes is, we're seeing is, a lot of ninja is, 40 yeah. ninja moves yeah. I, I I don't want to gloss over this because I think Pat has found his next pin. Uh, cats, coffee, and butts is, Actually, is that's really good, a great. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, um, I've told I've I've told that that quick story before, but some mid-century uh, author uh, found out that the number one bestsellers in England were either books about World War II, books about golf, or books about cats, and he wrote a book of humor essays called golfing for cats and put a giant swastika on the cover on the idea that this would be the best-selling novel of all time and the american version i've been told is lincoln's doctor's dog okay okay (laughs) yeah you know these trends some of them are perennial cats coffee butts some uh some come and go you know and uh that's the thing that we gotta gotta key into on, on kickstarter for sure yeah. yeah, I I I do like this idea though, Pat. That um, you know, I mean, I I, I was I was having this conversation with someone uh, at WonderCon talking about how you know every Kickstarter for me becomes a a sort of active storefront. I mean, I don't have really a home base storefront. It's not like I have this website marketplace. Yeah, that was that- actually me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 That, that, that makes sense. And I almost said, I think it's Madeline, but yeah. Um, that was me. That was yeah. Me. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and then also, um, you know, also I hate, I hate con tabling. I just, I, I just, I just can't stomach it, you know? Um, and, uh, and so, you know, every time I launch a Kickstarter, it is almost like me con tabling for a month. And, and of course, right now I'm selling issue three of the jump and you should, uh, you know, you should hop over there and get it. But, 
every, you know, every time you look at my, my Kickstarter story and it's like, this is from the team that did Banjax and here is why yeah. you should really be excited about Banjax. And here's a gorgeous cover from Banjax. And here's what all the critics had to say about Banjax. And if you like that, you're also going to like Aberrant and here's some, you know, here's some sales language on Aberrant. And so every time I do this, you know, I mean, because I, I have a garage full of comic books, like, like anybody from, from my, you know, from my Kickstarter stuff, from my, my uh, comic shop stuff. And so the amount of aberrant of Banjax of suicide jockeys uh, that I sell every time I do a Kickstarter is, is crazy. You yeah. know? Um, right. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, that's really interesting. I like the idea that it's like, you almost don't need a, an active storefront because you know, every Kickstarter you do is going to be your active storefront. And, 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 you know, uh, Madeline, this is something that you and I were talking about is, is the idea of going in and making these things an event every time. Right. Um, yeah. And, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Pat, Pat, I know Pat does his every month. Yeah. My head would explode if I tried to do that. I just, <laughs> I can't even the concept. Of, yeah. I don't want to yeah, do that. Yeah. But yeah, but, yeah, but 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 there is this there is this reason why McDonald's does not have McRib all of the time, right? They bring it back yeah. once a year, twice a year for a limited time. People get really excited. Everybody has to rush down and get it, you know, just like everybody has to get their Shamrock Shake. Everybody has to get their Boo Bucket. Um, and so when when yeah. so, when you know when signed aberrant Banjack Suicide Jockeys comes on the market once a year, twice a year, people get really excited. They rush over and grab it. But go ahead. Um. Yeah, I mean, so I treat a Boston Metaphysical Kickstarter as an event, you know, and I keep up. I, after post post shipping, I do one update a month, just letting people know what's going on, keeping them updated. And I know not everybody reads them, and that's fine, um, but at least it's out there. And so we have a long run up to this event, and I'll actually see on social media people going like, "Boston Metaphysical is back." You know, there's a new thing out now. And uh, this year, the, the plan is to run um, this one, obviously, uh, for the first two issues. And then in the fall for the last three and four to, to finish off this, this mini series. Um, that really depends on how far uh, Elizabeth is completed with three and four. Because I right. like to be as close as possible to, to being sure. done. Before so your your Kickstarter currently is the first two issues of a new arc. That is correct. In your universe, and Pat, is yours a single floppy or is it a trade or what's what's yours for? Mine is a trade. Yeah, I am um, the first floppy I ever did on Kickstarter um, after I think twenty seven campaigns was earlier this year in, in, in January with, with Cerulean Dreams. Um, mm -hmm. My goal is to switch it up a bit more this year and uh, start some series and floppies, but. Uh, start every single year of both my main space between titles and also now our cheeky comics imprint each begins with with an annual of uh short stories mm -hmm. that uh will take place in the worlds of graphic novels or series that we'll be putting out on kickstarter throughout the year yeah i mean i think that's one of the very malleable things about kickstarter honestly is you know some people do a single issue some people do two issues some people do a trade of various length right. and it really yeah. it's just like everything else in every part of show business it's a know your audience thing what will yeah. what will my following support what do they want and what are they going to show up and and pay for and yeah. Uh, yeah once you have that like and again like with some people it's making an event every year, every six months, every eight months, whatever. And with some people, it's like, no, my fans want something from me every month. And, uh, you know, one approach is not better or worse than the other. It's literally just knowing yeah. what you are personally capable of. You know, I couldn't do, I also couldn't do a Kickstarter a month, but also it's like, that's not the shape of what I'm doing. If I wasn't yeah. doing other things in another way, it would clear the time to do that. Because certainly, you know, as much work as it is, the Kickstarters have been more, <laughs> by far, more financially rewarding than anything, than any of the other stuff I do. I just, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I'm interested in the the nuts and bolts of it. So, Pat, you do one a month. Are you fulfilling on your own? Or, or, or are you dealing with a fulfillment company? What are, How are you handling that? Because it seems like you do one a month, you would spend, you know, you would spend all your time bagging and boxing comic books as opposed to writing and, and yeah. editing comic books. Yeah, you know, 
I wouldn't work with an external company, but for the first time ever, uh, I was fulfilling Cheeky last month, which was my biggest campaign ever so far. Um, and during it, I brought on a team for the first time. And uh, now we're going to do it every time. You know, I uh, have uh, childhood friends, uh, people in the industry who I brought on to be part of uh, Team Space Between. And now every time we're together, packing the books and planning and sort of, you know, beginning to function as a comic book company. Um, and two, hold on, Chichi. <laughs> These cameos the are fantastic. If you're just listening to this, go to YouTube to enjoy the chat. Seriously, <laughs> you're missing out. Are. Yeah, she's clicking buttons and shit too. Um, yeah. All right. So, uh, oh yeah, I, I wanted to say too about the different modes of oh boy of Kickstarter. <laughs> There's overlap in in what I do too. Like Madeline, I, I think that what you do sounds great i think that making it an event is such an important thing and i try to do that with my destiny new york title like that that's the biggest campaign that i do per year right. as far as like where i've been focusing my audience because it's that ongoing series mm -hmm. um but the the other stuff i cared about very much as well but it's just that i feel like while there are people who will want to buy, you know, they'll read my stuff, like me as a writer, like the artist that I hire, that they'll want to get everything. Largely, though, I feel like Kickstarter is very what's happening now based. So mm -hmm. I'm serving different audiences here. You know, like the audience for Cheeky and Thirsty isn't necessarily the same audience as Destiny New York, nor the same audience mm -hmm. as Afterglow, you know. So I feel like... Um, if, if I pick the ones that I'm really making the event, that it, for me, it wouldn't take away from what I'm doing month to month because I do try to um, make sure that, you know, there are certain niches that I, I want to serve while, while also serving my, my own desires and vision as well. So um, I wouldn't even say it's a different approach. I think it's a very wise approach. What you do, Madeline? <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, it's, it's just me. Um, the past two years, my husband's been helping me with fulfillment because the the Kickstarters are so big. I just, I couldn't do it any anymore um, yeah. on my own. Um, but what I promised him this year <laughs> was to uh, bring on some help, get some tables in the front yard. Cause we're in sunny Southern California. Well, at least most of the time and uh, hire some friends to come over. I'll pre sign pre bag everything. And we'll just, you know, I'll bring in lunch and we'll have a, a nice day and yeah. get a whole bunch of packages done. And he's like, okay, that I'm all for that. Yeah. No. And I mean, yeah. it's a calculation I started making years and years ago, honestly, over, over, over the chore of ironing my shirts. <laughs> like you have to actually value your own time at some point in your life. And you're like, you know what? It takes me 20 minutes to iron a shirt. It's probably a good idea to spend the $2 and get my shirts pressed. You know, like, so that I don't look like a slob all the time. Like if, when yeah. you start going, this is what I make an hour and this is how much time it would like, you know, I used to have an old classic car and I could change the oil on it, but I was like, I don't know, spending $30 to not spend my, the afternoon under my car seems like a it's, probably really good deal to me. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's worth something, you know, it, yeah. it's, um, you know, there, there's, because you know boston metaphysical has been going uh, last year was our 10th anniversary wow and so That's we've impressive. been around for a while <laughs> yeah that and, makes, i mean i feel like i've met you at a con at least six years ago it was a while probably, ago prob yeah. probably yeah but then we didn't i think it was when i was doing the audio drama mm -hmm. that i came on the show for the first time that's with, right with, with tilly and susan that's right that sounds yeah. right yeah yeah but, but yeah uh, so i've uh, not to not to change tracks at all, but how much does how much does social media mean to each of you in the matrix of promotions for your Kickstarter? How much are you using it? Is what is the you know nonsense going on at Twitter causing you any troubles or headaches? Is that a big part of your promotion? Is it a small part of your promotion? How do you promote in the twenty first century? Um, I primarily do it through email list. Mm -hmm. and uh backer kit has a great thing called launch with with rylan and i we we had a discussion about yeah. that yeah is it, is it is it worth it i'm going like yeah it is definitely worth it uh now walk us through that a little bit what is launch how does it work uh 
Well, you pay them some money. It's not a, it's like $99 right now. It's not a tremendous amount of money. And they aggregate all the emails from every campaign you've ever done. And so you can send out like a a pre-launch email, um, just really simple stuff to let people know, keep them updated where you're at. You can do a pre-launch. We just launched mid campaign. Um, I'm going to be sending it out. We know we have three days left. Um, when we're done, I here. gotta say, as someone who has always been too lazy to maintain an email list, $99 sounds dirt cheap for not having to do oh, that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, not well, having it, it, to go through lists of yeah. people and cut well, and paste yeah. for three days. Well, I not only have that, but I also have my own email list and I have multiple types of email lists. I have the, the, what I call the, the hardcore people who, you know, I know 50 to 60% of this smaller list are going to pledge because they get that news newsletter every single month. And then I have other email lists that are less important, but you never know. I mean, I have like general con lists of people who never signed up for the newsletter and I'll send, I'll send one out just to them, just letting them know what's going on. You know, in past years, because I, I do um, customized links, so I know where stuff is coming from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in past years, no one from those lists has ever pledged. And, and then this year they did. So yeah. just, you know, you never know when you hit someone right. and or someone who's been circling the project for years, but for whatever yeah. reason, just never pledged, but decide, okay, this year I'm going to pledge. But yeah. they've been getting this stuff. And kind of watching on the periphery because you never right. know who's watching. You, you just and never. you know. And again, I I know this. Everyone knows this from personal experience. We're all on email lists that we can't quite pull the trigger on unsubscribing, and we yeah. haven't quite bought the product yet. Like we, yes, every one of us is on at least one email list. You know, for, uh, like that where we go. Oh, should I? Un- now nah, let me see what they send next month. So, 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 yeah, so I'm using the the backer kit emails for the for the first time this go around and, yeah. and I'm a little late to the party that said, you know, the, I, the last one I did was two years ago, uh, the last Kickstarter I did. And so two years ago, this was not quite the 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 fancy tool it is now, right. uh, per, perhaps. Um, but but both Madeline and Charlie Stickney kind of gave me the hard sell on the backer kit emails and everything Madeline said was 100% true, totally worth the money. Yep. There, there are two things that I really love about it. Um, the first thing is like Madeline, I have my own email list. It's, it's via MailChimp and a MailChimp email, you know, you have to, you have to really outthink email filtration, filtration systems, not to end up in a bunch of spam boxes. Right. And and, so you have to be very careful about it. Uh, so, so what I notice is that, you know, uh, it, too many of the MailChimp emails go to spam boxes. Uh, the, the backer kit, uh, uh, um, uh, emails for whatever reason, uh, do not suffer that fate, uh, uh, nearly as much. So you actually, you actually reach your people. Um, the other thing that it allows you to do is, okay, if I'm just sending out MailChimp emails, it's indiscriminate, right? Um, it's going to go to everybody. And so, you know, I, I am, I, I I am about to enter the final week of my campaign. If I send out a MailChimp email, it's going to hit probably 200 people who have backed already. Right. And, 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 and fog up their boxes unnecessarily. One of those people might get pissed off and be like, you know what? I'm tired of hearing about this shit. I'm, 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 I'm pulling my pledge back or whatever. (laughs) I'm unsubscribing. I'm whatever. And, and, and the genius of the backer kit email system is that it, it, it is interacting with your, your, uh, your, um, your Kickstarter, uh, uh, account and it knows who, who has pledged. So right. when you yeah. send an email out, it will only send the email out to people oh, who have the back. Um, yeah, and you can you can filter yeah. even more too. There's a couple other filters. I wish, uh, hopefully, as as they edit evolve as it evolves, yeah. we'll be able to filter even more. But I think right now there's like three choices to filter. Yeah. Um, because what it does do is that some people will click. You know, they'll get the email, they'll open it, they'll click, and that and it'll say responded to your call which could mean one, either they pledge or two, they're now following the project. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so they're still going to get the emails that, you know, even if they're, they're following, yeah. but they haven't, they haven't pledged. And sometimes I think I would like to extract those and 
in the like, middle of the campaign and target, then target the people that are just following those people yeah. at the yeah. end who were following yeah right and say so, hey last chance yeah yeah kind of to use it more strategically yeah, yeah that, it's, it's just the same thing i do with social media i don't carpet bomb social media yeah. um because i think one you get end up in facebook jail or something yeah. Um, but I'm also very strategic in that because I do know my demographic. I, I hit the steampunk groups, but I don't do it more than once a week. So they don't get pissed off at me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I alternate stuff that isn't necessarily about me all the time and the Kickstarter. Uh, yeah. Yeah, And you see the, you see the people who don't know what they're doing, who don't very, who literally just post the same post every day on Facebook, the same the same 50 words, the same image. And it's like, nope, you're a writer, man. Come up with another funny thing to say about your Kickstarter today. Like, even if you're going to do it every day, you got to actually have a new thing to say that's not just, hey, have you guys seen this yet? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and preferably yeah, yeah. you have the ability to do that. Yeah. And, and back to your original question in terms of social media. I mean, it was always bad. You know, two years ago, it was bad, right? It was it was very hard. You, you have to outthink the algorithms because they are trying like hell to hide your post. So it's like, you know, post the link in the comments and and all of these, you know, stupid things that, that we do. Um, you know, never mention Kickstarter because then it's hidden. Um, what I will say is that when I did this two years ago, Twitter was was still a very valuable weapon. You could, um, uh, I, I, I would get, I would get little to no, you know, uh, uh, you know, referrals, backers from Facebook, from Instagram, but I could really drive traffic with Twitter if I did it the right way. And Elon has completely destroyed that. I even went and and, and I, I, you should flog me and kick me off of the show for this, but I even paid for the blue check mark being like, okay. for, for, for a month being like, okay, maybe this will help me. It hasn't. Uh, uh, there, there, there is no way now to drive, uh, uh, traffic on Twitter or, or at least not to the extent that I used to be back to the backer kit emails. Um, of course you don't, you don't want to wear it out because you could completely burn your, your, your fan base out with those emails also. But when I need them, I can send out one of those emails and I know I have backers yeah. coming my way. Every time I send one out, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it could be five, it could be 10, it could be two, but. It's something, I, yeah. Yeah, it's something every time, and 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 you have to be yeah. really careful about it, and and you don't want to send like you're saying, Avalone. You don't want to send the same tired message, right? Um, uh, find a reason to 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 contact these people and remind them that you're alive and that this. And you know, happen. it's it's comic books. Pick a panel from a page they haven't seen yet yeah. and show yeah. it to them. You know, like there's a fairly infinite number of things you can show comic book fans every single day. You know, a 30 day, you know, thing. Yeah, you can't you don't want to show them 30 panels. That's that's you know, that's that's five pages. That's a lot of that's a lot of stuff. But, you know, concept art, any literally anything record a video for two seconds. You know, it's just but you you definitely see people who are just like literally they made an ad and they're just like. Here's my ad. Here's my ad. Here's my ad. And I can't imagine that ever works. Yeah. Pat, we haven't, we haven't heard from you yet on this. Right. I mean, I think that what you just said about, especially the video is key. I think that video now is so underrated in comics. You know, you, um, I've been kind of baffled that you don't see more mainstream pros do, doing this. Like I, I I'm on video. You guys are on video. And if you type in someone who is, 10 times more famous than me in the industry on YouTube, the top results are just people who hate their books and they're not there. Yeah. Yeah. Why? (laughs) Why? Yeah. No, that's that, that is definitely true. And you know, when I was using Kickstarter to make a move to make low budget indie movies, like the idea of having a Kickstarter that doesn't have a video on the page was unthinkable. Oh, I know. Even if it's just you sitting next to the director in his backyard in a couple of deck chairs going, Hey man, we're, we want to make a movie. It's pretty cool. You know, like it's, you know, talk to people like it when you talk to them. I mean, I'm one of those people like I will often go like, Oh, don't shoot me a video, man. I just want to just tell me, just, just show me some text I can read. I'm on my phone. My eyes are bad. I'm old, but, uh, but you know, video, it's a powerful tool. Yeah, uh, without it's, a humanizing. Doubt. It, it's humanizing, puts a face yeah. to the campaign. Um, uh, the one thing that I would say that I, I disagree with is that the current Twitter 
is worse than the old Twitter. To me, tw- Twitter's been washed for years. You know, it's it's yeah. um the the comics community on Twitter is incredibly toxic. Um, the Twitter platform itself. Oh, big evil guy took it over. Hey, guess what? Last guy. Evil too. Also evil. Right? Yeah. So I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I migrated to Spoutable, and a bunch of my friends were like, "Oh, I don't know, I don't know if I like that guy who runs Spoutable." I'm like, "You're on Twitter saying you think Spoutable yeah. is run I, by I, a I, not I, good yeah, person." Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I love well, all the people. I love all the people who, because of their principles, uh, uh, they left Facebook, but now they're all on Twitter. It's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's absurd. Not, it's none, like yeah. none of these big businesses that are. I mean, they're designed to keep us on their site. They're not trying to help us. Kickstarter is the only social media that wants you to do good at Kickstarter, period. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Um, But I think that newer platforms, I think Twitch is going to be great for this. Um, Mm. TikTok is great for this if uh, they let us keep it. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of people do well on Whatnot. I don't know that Whatnot has figured out a place in the industry just yet, but... Yeah, yeah, no, what, whatnot. I mean, guys like David Byrne, I mean, kills it on whatnot. I think, um, you know, Scout probably still exists because of whatnot. Yeah. And uh, I think, though, what I see is I see publishers not using whatnot, but using the whatnot model. You know, people, yeah. um, I worked for Zenoscope for a long time, st- still, still work for hire to this day. Um, 12 years of doing this and the mainstream industry has always had so much vitriol for Zenoscope who one makes better comics than probably most of them. And two, they're innovators in how they do this shit. They, um, if you watch their live streams, how they sell, how they interact with fans, they have these fan specific events. They, to me are how comic book publishers should be in the next wave where it's all about what we do on Kickstarter. Kickstarter is removing the middleman. You have creation, fan, no middleman. Mm-hmm. That to me is the ideal. You know, that's what I've always wanted as a creator. And I was just talking about how the other industries are ahead of comics in this way. If you look to the music industry, right? In the past, it used to be like, oh, my main goal as an artist is to get signed by a label, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if someone is signed by a label, the, the listeners call them an industry plant. But meanwhile, the comics industry is so thirsty to become that industry plant. They don't want that natural traction that, that we're creating. They still look at Kickstarter as begging, but it hasn't been since like 2012. Yeah, yeah no, someone, I saw something on Twitter the other day where someone was talking about removing the stigma, stigma on self-publishing. And this was in the prose novels world. Oh, yeah. And I was like... Yeah. I'm, I'm old enough that I remember like self-publish the stigma stigma against self-publishing in the seventies and eighties was gigantic. Oh, like sure, you weren't yeah. a real writer in the, you know, and then my buddy Kevin Eastman came along in comics and Dave Sim and some other guys and went, no, actually self-publishing is literally the only way to make any money doing this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and, and, in the in the 21st century i don't know that anyone in comics is like uh self publishing it's like instead they're looking at charlie stickney going how do i get how do i get some of that i know, you know? it's true <laughs> i mean i um i could take the same comic and put it out through a publisher and then put up the next month through kickstarter i will make and this is not an exaggeration i will make 150 times on Kickstarter what I made the publisher because yeah. I mean the yeah. DM sales are really rough right now and publishers aren't thinking outside of the box that yeah. excludes companies like Zenoscope who are but the mainstream thinking is still very much call your retailer with, with, with the diamond code which is crazy to me yeah. call someone and tell them a number yeah no yeah. like it's, it, it doesn't work yeah. No one, yeah. no one does. No, that. And, and I will say that the, you know, the 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 thing that's interesting about self-publishing through previews and Diamond is it did give me respect is the wrong word, but like when you see how narrow the profit margin is on a floppy in a comic book store that went through Diamond mm-hmm. and previews, like you're like, it's astonishing that any of these companies are yeah. still in 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 yeah. business. You know, yeah. I mean, when you think when you see what they make and you're like, 
wow, even on this relatively good selling comic, this publisher is like making 30 cents after they pay everybody yeah. off. Well, it, you know, it's, it's yeah, and the monopolists are and the monopolists are making a bunch of money. And, you know, it's uh, you know, it the pandemic in a lot of ways, you know, we've said this before, was a stress test for all of human society and a lot of bad systems just like, oh, look at that blew up right away. Like yeah. Diamond lasted two weeks into the pandemic before they had to shut down and fire true, everybody. Yeah. You know, and you're like, couldn't have been a really stable, you know, like the idea that the monopoly that controlled comics distribution for the last, I don't know, 25 years didn't have the money to stay afloat and pay its employees for three weeks into store shutting down. That is wild yeah. to me. No, it's crazy. Like, that would be like, you know, like 20th Century Fox, like, oh, the movie theater has been closed for two weeks. We're out of business. Everybody go home. Like, yeah. that didn't happen. Uh, and again, I'm, you know, I also know how we, as I just said, the margins are thin and, you know, that, that works across the board, but it's still, you know, you're right, Pat. And, the, you know, and the thing is, the music industry, if any industry has ever died of a well deserved death, yeah. It was the music industry because I think most people don't realize that the, unlike any, the music industry is like if George Clooney got charged for the craft service on every movie he starred in. Like, you know, if a rock band went into a studio to the Rolling Stones record an album in a studio, the Rolling Stones pay all of that. Yeah, no, it's rough. <laughs> you know, they pay the cocaine bill. They pay for the soft drinks. They pay all of it. They pay the recording engineers. The 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 the, the label paid for nothing. And I, when I found that out, I was like, no wonder every musician in the world was like, if our industry could die, that would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And there are parallels to that and how I mean, especially creator-owned comics. These publishers that don't pay a rate, you know, they want you to bring it all to the table. Um, and it really, it's come to sort of fall on the writer to pay for it even when they're a in a partnership which is insane to me um yeah. but yeah i mean as far as like the old way of marketing the social media marketing too you know i it reminds me one time um i i, I haven't had like uh, a cable box for a long time i just have my streaming apps and th th there was one time where i went to a hotel and i put the tv on and it was running these late night commercials and all the commercials felt like I time travel. Like the, the acting was so like eighties and it felt like, you know, a little time capsule to me. I get the same feeling when I see someone go on Twitter and say, Hey, my book is coming out. It's FOC. Make sure you call your shop. No one does. Yeah, it. Our, you know? our operators are standing by allow six yeah. to eight weeks for delivery. Yeah. Yeah, 1995. Yeah, that's yeah. Especially yeah. like I, I mean, I don't know. The the number thing does crack <clears throat> me up because it's like if you need the number <laughs> to get them, like if they can't do that homework for themselves, yeah, <laughs> you know, if you can't just walk into Golden Apple and say, Hey Ryan, I'm looking forward to Avalone's new comic in late May, <laughs> you know, and he doesn't like take Okay, eight people said that. Let me order 20 of those. Like, you know, yeah. if he has to go, oh, I don't know. I need you to give me that catalog number. I'm not going to be able to order those for you. Yeah. I, I, I mean, hard, hard enough for us to sort through all this stuff. But, you know, yeah. try explaining to your aunt in, like, Crossville, Tennessee, how to get a hold of your book. You know, yeah, it's uh, impossible. Yeah. yeah, 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 completely impossible. And, and, and you know, Avalon, you, 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 made a, you made a decent point that we glossed over is that there is something that that comes from you know traditional uh, uh, having traditionally published a book having it be in comic shops um you know I, I for me having a having a couple of books in comic shops uh having you know uh critics having uh uh you know gushed over them uh the the ringo the the whole nine yards there was something that came of that i didn't make a fucking dime doing it um <laughs> and it was a complete pain in the ass and a train wreck in almost every way but there was this like cachet that came from it and so yeah. when I went to, when I went to Kickstarter the first time, uh, uh, people showed up. Right? It was like it, it, it was you know that that was why I had a fifteen thousand dollar campaign instead of a three thousand dollar or five thousand dollar campaign. My first my first go around, there was a cachet. There was a um, uh, I had been I don't know what you want to call it, anointed, knighted, you know, wh wh whatever by this business. Uh, uh, so so I got something from it, 
that said, I never have to fucking do that again. And I never want to do that again, particularly yeah. when there are these, um, you know, when there are all these opportunities and, 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 and Pat, you hit it right on the head. I mean, the music industry comparison is, is perfect because it's like, we're, um, you know, we're almost past it now, but I, I, I have been fond for the last couple of years of saying, oh, well, the comics business is where the music industry was when Napster, you know, uh, 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 came out. But, yeah. but we're, we're further along. We're into the iTunes era now. Like the, the mm-hmm. you know, why, why you would ever in a million years sign with a record label when, when, you, when you, you know, if you have a little cachet, if you have a name, if you can go direct to the consumer um, like we can now. And, and, and we're even past that because, I mean, that's what I'm doing. I, I'm an artist releasing on, on, on fucking iTunes and, 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 and what Madeline is doing is maybe the, the, the biggest and the best version of that. Um, uh, and, and there's plenty of amazing stuff to mine there. Um, it, you know, if you work long enough at, at this, that's where you end up where, where, I mean, you can make a living doing this. You can, um, yeah, uh, yeah. No, you, 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 you build a big brand, but, but, but the other thing I like is that what Pat is doing now and what Charlie Stickney is doing now is like, okay, well, I mean, basically they've decided to be publishers, publishing companies. They're not, they're they're not a person creating a title uh, uh, that then becomes wildly successful. I mean, you guys have done that, but you're building on that now where it's like, I'm going to have a slate. I'm going to release something every month, like a traditional publisher would do. And you know, whatever, a couple of years ago, Pat, you know, Pat would have, um, you know, he would have had to go to every con and set up his table and he would have contacted Diamond and and he would have been contacting comic shops and and trying to convince them to order. And then he would have been putting ads and previews and 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 and, you know, again, that whole fucking clusterfuck. But now he doesn't have to do that. You know, he, he has iTunes and, and, and he has the, these other sort of like very quick highways to marketing. And so it. it and so so the pats the charlies are the new publishing model you know where it's like and and and, you know and charlie's doing this where it's like yeah i think i'm you know i i may find creators and and other titles i like and i'll i'll bring them aboard and they'll become part of the you know they'll they'll become part of my publishing company and that is really interesting to me because it's like we have these people like holding on for dear life to this old model right um and yeah yeah yeah. and and they're all burning to the fucking ground and they're all Mm -hmm. waiting on the same a uh, huge investor from Europe or from Asia who's well, going to sweep in and save them, and it never comes through. Or they're waiting for Amazon to buy yeah. that one comic from them and make a TV series out of it, and that's yeah. going to save them. Yeah, and and, and meanwhile, yeah. you, have the, you have the Pats who 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 are running six figure campaigns on on Kickstarter, and while while none of those people are looking over here, and 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 you know, let them do their yeah. thing. Let, let 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 them let them run their airship into the ground. And, and and we'll all be over here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as far as the slate goes, my thought process was this, because that's actually a conversation that I had with Charlie, because he uh he he has a different approach, you know. But my my defense of always having something out there is you know, I, I, I look at what's out there and I see great campaigns, I, I see campaigns that are struggling, you know, you see a wide array of titles, just like you would at a comic shop, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, so every month, people are active on Kickstarter, pledging to campaigns, buying campaigns. If I had a book that was like, you know, the same vibe as Destiny New York, a third book, same vibe, and just had the same same audience for every single book, I would pull back. But right. I and I see a different audience for my different titles. So I go there and I'm like, all right, so people are pledging to these campaigns. Why not me? Why not me again? So why shouldn't I be there is what I think. And as far as the other thing too, you you kind of put a pin on it. It it is, we make it easier. You know, we make it easier to buy from us than the comic shops for sure. I mean, think about this, right? We have to pre-order issue three at a comic shop before they get issue one. We're asking people for a major commitment. It's like, hey, do you want to go on a date and spend the next four weeks together too? No. Ask the first part of the question, right? Right. The the, the second part sounds crazy. We're asking as comics creators, the old model, it's it's based on over-commitment for the reader. No, No one else... No other industry that I can imagine asks so much of the consumer. So well, I, I think that success. I think that model is based on you love Spider-Man and you're going to read every goddamn Spider-Man thing that we put out there, and it doesn't matter who's on the book, 
and it doesn't matter how badly it might go, and it doesn't matter if we have a shitty issue every now and again. You are in love with Spider-Man. You are committed to Spider-Man. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna order our Spider-Man books, and you're gonna stay there. And it, I wanted to roll back to something we said earlier about video and about how Kickstarter works. It's interesting that comics pretty much don't have letter columns anymore. Yeah, and that was the point of contact between the fan and the and the and the company and the writer and the artist and the editor and it even if you never wrote a letter to a comic book you felt that there was a connection between the fandom and the writers i never wrote letters to comic books but i would read them and go like oh that person asked the question that i would have asked and that's all interesting and the first internet company i ever worked for our ceo who was a personality i won't say what kind of personality but may was a millionaires and she told me once that she spent 40%, 40 to 60% of her day in the chat rooms on the website. He said, we have, she said, we have subscribers. We have them because they think they're my friend. They think they know me. That's they right. think they have access to me. They like me. They want to be my friend. And in the current climate, you have the ability to make anyone feel that way. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, after one of our panels this weekend, uh, there were like five people standing around who wanted to ask me questions. And I talked to them for about a half hour. And I was a friend was waiting for me to go to drinks with them. And he said, wow, you gave those people a lot of your time. And I said, those people are going to buy everything I ever write for the next 30 years. Because no, I yeah. gave them my time. Because I listened to their questions. Because, yeah. And I said, and also, wasn't faking it. <laughs> like, you know, I wasn't bored looking at my watch. I was trying to literally give them serious and honest focus and attention and answers to the question they asked me. And, oh, yeah. you know, I've said this before, but, you know, my my partner on Drawing Blood, Kevin Eastman, man, you want a model for how to interact with fans. Kevin Eastman is the role model of all time because he gives everyone that. And he is a giant deal. And he created a billion dollars. You know, imagine being a Star Wars fan and you run into George Lucas at a convention and he talks to you for 10 minutes. Yeah. And, no, and it, when, you say, it, when you say you love Star Wars, he goes, that is fantastic, man. That is the yeah, greatest thing. You, 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 know? you, you talk about not faking it. You talk about yeah. not faking it. And, and, and literally, if you want to see it in action, go back to our Kevin Eastman episode because, because you know, because I, I was, you know, I was the biggest Turtles fan alive when I was growing up. I know every Turtles fan says that. But so meeting Kevin Eastman was a big deal to me, right? And 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 Apolloni and I joked for a couple of weeks about, oh, or, you know, am I going to make an ass of myself? And um, and then also like, when should I geek out and how much should I geek out? And so finally, I I, I decided on a very, you know, it, it was <laughs> it was a very pointed approach. I just said, hey, Ke you know, we started the show, we introduced Kevin, and I I, I kicked it right off. I said, hey, Kevin. Uh, I need to say this to you. I'm gonna I'm gonna geek out for like two minutes here, and then we're never gonna talk about it again. We're just gonna we're just gonna do the show like it never <laughs> happened, which I thought was a good approach. But you know, I I, I explained to him, you know, it, uh, how I how I when and how I was introduced to the turtles, how I fell in love with the turtles, and then now how you know it was through the action figures. But I I had at that time I, I think probably a four year old daughter, and. Um, she fell in love with the turtles the same way. And she was at that point mainlining the, uh, the, the CG show that was on Netflix, love turtles as much as I did. Great show. And, um, and I, I'm explaining this to him and he is just, just enthralled. Like he's looking at me and he cannot get enough of it. I mean, this was like, it, it was almost like I was energizing him, you know, like I, I was giving him the energy to exist for the next year of his life. And he loved every second of it. He looked like he was going to cry, you know, um, and talk about meaning it and talk about loving it. And um, and there, there are too few people like that out there, I think. And, um, and and here's the thing is that, like, I mean, for me, it's why I get into it. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I did my first book was Aberrant. And, um, you know, it's a book about um, it's a book about PTSD. It's a soldier who loses his entire unit. And, and of course it's a revenge tale. He's going to get the guys that did it, but really it is about him dealing with loss and, um, and PTSD and all of these things. And so, you know, and I send that out into the world and I forget about it, but when I'm at a con and at some random point in a con, a guy comes up to me and says, Hey, I was, I was in the Marine Corps. I did two tours in Afghanistan mm -hmm. reading your book. I saw myself in it. 
everything that I'm dealing with, like you legislated in your book and, and that was very meaningful to me. Like you helped me through some hard times. Like that's, that's incredible to me. That's why yeah. I do this. You know what I'm saying? And that's uh, and I'm still living off of it. You can see me light up when I'm talking about this, like th this, this specific conversation maybe happened, you know, a year ago and I'm still living off of it. You know, um, I, my daughter and I, it's going to be weird to drop this and walk away from it, but my daughter and I are going to meet Mr. T uh, tomorrow. And again, I, 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 Mr. T was my guy growing up. He's my daughter's guy now. We love him. Uh, uh, I am going to meet Mr. T. It is going to be very hard for me when I meet Mr. T and tell him how much he meant to me growing up, not to start crying. Uh, um, and and again, you know, uh, knowing some people that know him, like that's going to mean everything to him. And, mm -hmm. and, and if you're not in that place, if you're not creating art, if you're not putting stuff out into the world for that reason, I think you're doing it wrong. Yeah, we actually, we had that uh, uh, a somewhat similar with the audio drama. Um, a man who'd been buying the comics, he, he backed the audio drama, he got it, and he, he wrote to me later and said that uh, he had a teenage autistic son and he was just going back to school after the pandemic and there was just a lot of hostility and he's just having a hard time with them. And so he said, hey, I got this, this thing we can listen to on the way home, get in the car, we'll just listen to it. And it was the audio drama. And the kid became enthralled with the audio drama, started talking to his dad, demanded to read the comics. And so they bonded through the audio drama and the comics. And he said, I have to thank you because I have a relationship with my son now because they were able to ease there was this connection through the audio drama and he says you have to do more you have to do more that's another thing but but i said oh my god you know this is making me tear up i said do i have your permission to tell the cast and in the production team and he said of course and so i let them know and everyone was like going i'm not crying i'm not crying mm -hmm. and one of our actresses was uh worked with families who have autistic children and so i mean this really meant something to her that she worked at something that affected people so yeah i mean you know i'm i'm not the biggest thing in the world i realize i have a very niche i'm a niche within a niche but still we affect people and that's our jobs as creators yeah yeah whether we do it through kickstarter or through something else but yeah. obviously we have to pay the bills. So, you know, Kickstarter works. <laughs> well, it, yeah. It, yeah, it, it goes to create a responsibility too. I mean, when you, yeah. when you have an audience and you're on a stage, um, you have a show or whatever, you know, you better make it about something. You better be saying something. You better be putting something positive out into the world. Right. And, 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 and that can mean any number of things. I mean, we don't have to, we don't have to be, you know, Mm -hmm. have some earth shattering political or social message and everything we do entertaining people uh is 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 very noble and extremely important giving people an escape for 20 minutes is very mm -hmm. noble yeah. and very important when uh, my father was uh, on his deathbed in the late 90s i the only thing for year and a half that made me laugh was watching Simpsons reruns on Fox 11 mm. locally. I watched it twice a day and I became a huge fan of it. None of it re had any specific, it wasn't about grief. It wasn't about dealing with illness. Like I, there were no episodes that specifically spoke to the situation I was in, but it literally, that and getting a cat were like the two things that gave me an excuse to keep, to stay alive, honestly. I wasn't doing work that I was particularly in love with you know, at the time. And it, it, it's whenever I think, what is this all about and who cares, you know, uh, in my own life, a personal crisis of mine was resolved largely by a three-day run of Peanuts comic strips that I stumbled across online yeah. from my childhood. I hadn't seen them in 30 years. And, uh, you know, I've spoken about it before, but, you know, I have a, a very difficult relationship with my sister to the degree where I have no relationship with my sister. And I thought I stumbled across this three-day three day run about Linus petting birds on the head. And uh, it embarrasses Lucy terribly. And uh, it literally, I was like, 
oh, I've been petting birds on the head for 35 years and embarrassing the fuck out of her, and she's always resented it. Thank you, Charles Schultz. I That literally saved my soul. I now understand something in a fundamental core way that I literally couldn't puzzle out, even with a therapist. Like, the therapist didn't hit the nail so firmly on the head as Linus going, you know what, I'm going to keep petting birds because it makes me happy it makes the birds happy and i kind of don't care that i'm an embarrassing weirdo to you you know like i i could care about that but uh if that's enough to put you off me i guess i'm just going to go back to petting the birds on the head so you know it's a cartoon can save your life uh when the right one at the right time and again as i said even bart simpson not relating in any way to your personal troubles uh, can still save your life. And that's, uh, that's a great reason to do what you do and to bring it back around to our topic. Uh, one of the, you know, overall themes of my life is I have almost always chosen freedom over money. Uh, I'm trying to get over that a little tiny bit in my old age, but, uh, Kickstarter is freedom plus money. Um, so that's a pretty good deal. Uh, you know, like there are restraints. There are, you know, not everyone's going to have a big giant campaign, certainly not the first time out of the box, but right. anything that allows you to do the work you want to do with the minimum amount of uh, interference and you can pay the rent from it is the most fantastic invention in the history of mankind. And considering where the professional arts were 30, 40 years ago, even when famous people use kickstarter and people bitch about it i always say the same thing if kickstarter had existed in the 1970s i there would have been four more orson Welles movies if kickstarter had existed in 1980 the last temptation of christ would have been made with robert nero playing jesus when he was 25 years old for martin scorsese you know what i mean like there are things that even the people you think are you know masters of the universe who can get anything done would have been able to do that they weren't able to do. So I'm obviously, uh, I, I, you know, I will evangelize for it for anyone that, uh, that is considering using it as a tool. Yeah. It's a very, and it's very useful too, and it will continue evolving and, um, and we'll evolve with it. Yep. I think that's, I think that's, uh, that, that those are true facts. And on that note, we have hit the one hour mark and, uh, we always like to wrap up by saying, well, I know we talked about it at the beginning, but repeat uh, for us, Pat, where they, where people can find you on the internet and a little bit about your campaign. Right. You can find me anywhere at Pat Shand, um, all, all the social media. Uh, my Kickstarter right now is at tinyurl.com slash steamy comic. It is in the final days. And then my next one is called uh, I Summoned Cthulhu to Fund My Kickstarter. It's going to be a uh, parody of all the comic book trends that we all follow. That's on fantastic. Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, so that, that that's going to be sort of like a, this is the end with the comics industry. Uh, so I'm very excited for that. But that's next up. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. Our pleasure, Pat. Madeline? Uh, you can find me at bostonmetaphysicalsociety.com uh, Facebook Twitter, M. Holly Rosing, or just type in Boston Metaphysical, you'll find me. Uh, we are also in our final days for our new four-issue series, Mystery at Pike's Peak. And so come on down and get some very cool Tesla Experimental Station metal bookmarks. <laughs> <laughs> Tesla, the, you know, as Serbian in, genius yes, scientist. Yes, as in uh, the... Nicola, Having Nicola nothing Tesla. to do with the uh, Emerald Apartheid mine. Uh, no, era. no, yeah. no, not at all. And, uh, Rylan, where can people find you and what you uh, got doing? I am at Rylan Grant on all forms of social media. That is R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T. If you are just listening, um, I always spell it because it's not a real name. My parents kind of drunkenly arranged letters and saddled me with it. And so now I have to spell it for everyone. Um, my comic book, The Jump, it is an astral projection thriller. Uh, elevator pitch is uh, Inception meets The Born Identity if it were dripping with macabre and directed by David Fincher. I think that's pretty solid. Uh, so if that appeals to you, uh, hop on Kickstarter and uh, search for The Jump. You can also go to bit.ly backslash The Jump 3 and find that. Uh, but yeah, we're kicking ass. We're about to uh, sort of 
you know, a leap into our last week. Um, so come make the jump with us. Excellent. I am the only lazy sack that does not have a Kickstarter <clears throat> uh, on this. Uh, but, the, you know, the preview code of my next comic. <laughs> uh, uh, May 17th, uh, Elvira in Monsterland number one drops. It's a new series. The, the cool. premise very much like the last, uh, the last series, Elvira found herself lost in the multiverse of movies. Uh, the premise being that all movies create their own little pocket universes where the same story plays out over and over again. And last time she was wandering through them trying to find her way home. This time, the, the supervillain that has been her menace since the first issue four years ago, Vlad the Impaler, has gotten the hold of the MacGuffin and is rampaging through movies trying to kidnap every monster from every monster movie to build a monster army. The first cool. issue has the beautiful title gifted to me by Richard uh, Fairgray. It's a Vlad, 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 Vlad world, uh, which uh, obviously is the one where he's collecting all the Draculas. Issue two will be called Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Issue three is called Howl. And issue four is probably going to be, that's funny, you don't look Kaijuish. Uh, that should that should interest you enough to order a few comics. Uh, I can be found at www.davidavalonifreelance.com. Um, that branches off to all of the things, the social medias. The nice thing about having a severely unusual last name is I'm very easily Googled. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to what was the name of your cat? Coco Kiki. The first one was Chi Chi. This is oh, me. Oh wow, that's a second cat. Second <laughs> Incredible. Cat. We're, cat. we're on our we're cat. on our second <clears throat> cat. Um, See, th 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 this is why I like dogs. My my <laughs> my, my dog is just over yeah. there crashed out. Absolutely yep. no interest in being on the show. <laughs> uh, thanks everybody for listening. We'll Thank be back you for next week on the show. with another episode. Take it easy, guys. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more madcap hijinks on The Writer's Block. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.